0: Hey sports fans coach Nick here and welcome to the b-ball breakdown live show coming at you on a monday morning or monday afternoon depending where you are as always i'm joined by andrew combo salad to discuss the latest in the nba and all the other things in between uh what's going on combo
1: we had like a fitness podcast that wasn't recorded before the recording that was pretty cool
0: yeah yeah well anything it takes to get me going uh and actually doing the proper uh exercises i need to do for my back uh, i don't do them i know what they all are i bookmark every three new ones every day and then i don't do them so if you can help me figure out how to make that happen, combo i am all ears
1: sometimes a more holistic approach maybe not even only focusing on the back could help the back
0: that's interesting yeah i mean i just need to be able to stretch a little bit even during the day 100%. uh and I was going to Stretch Lab, which is all across the country, a great place where they will just stretch the crap out of you. Then, you know, the funny thing was I, w- I was doing it and I was liking it. And I'm like, okay, I got to do more because I'm still so uh, inflexible. And then I was doing three times a week and it was actually making it worse. That was making me, I was like, just not feeling well. And I finally got it back down to like once a week. And that was actually, you know, my posture was better. I was walking better, all those things. So uh, I I think I have to go back there. Maybe we'll get a sponsorship out of all this.
1: Oh, I would love that. I think with you, like you're really pedal to the metal with everything you do, which is great. Like you're like that with the videos, you work super hard at them, but sometimes you don't need that much to get tremendous benefit. Like the stretch lab, it sounds great, but sometimes just micro dosing stretching could do great as well. Even if it's a not too much, you know?
0: Yeah. I forgive my hair today. That's no, all right. I'm watching all right. this. Uh, I got a haircut, though, but now it's all whatever. I, I You know, I was up really early. I'm working on some footage. I watched the end of the Lakers. Uh, sorry, the Clippers Warriors game. I wanted to see that from a Saturday night. It was kind of nice, by the way, to not have any games yesterday and kind of have a little day off. Meanwhile, I ended up working, as like you mentioned, as hard as I could to get the video. Uh, did you happen cool. to see the video? I did. I on, did.
1: Uh, I did. Good. I have some thoughts on that because some of the stuff you talked about actually confirmed what I was
0: thinking. Okay, and and yeah. and hats up, hat tip to uh, Dragonfly Jones over on Twitter because he was the guy who was like. Some insane person is going to go look up the footage of them playing against each other to find out what's going. on This whole thing is about, and that gave me the idea to do it. Uh, and someone was like, and then we got some other information on on Twitter before where you know they played eight games against each other and this and that. But it really isn't necessarily that fair because the roles are so much different. You know, Eme was a guy who would you know struggle to make it in the league and to hang on, and LeBron is LeBron at that time too. So, uh, but it was remarkable that uh, how how literally just about every chance LeBron got, no matter what, from the start of Eme's uh, career he would just go at him and, and make sure to go at him which just makes sense Ime was much smaller uh not as strong uh not as quick um and and they, you know he did okay on a couple of times but then you know a lot of the times LeBron just seemed to relish this fact so there might be even more to that the one thing I left out was a couple things uh he uh Ime was on the Spurs uh uh, mm-hmm. uh coaching staff when they beat him beat mm-hmm. Miami Heat, although the Miami Heat beat them the year before um so there was something there that maybe Ime has on LeBron, whatever. And then do you know that story about Ime when he's playing on the Nigerian national team? Or no, yeah, the, the national team in 2007 or something. Do you know that story? Tell me more. They got into an, a fight at the, after the game was over with the Algiers, uh, Algerian national team. And Ime uh, was, like, taking on six guys at, the, at once. And, like, it looked like a video game or something. And he was catching guys in the midair, like fists and and whatever. and It, it was the one guy he was describing was like he was even telling him, "Hey, watch your back now." Right it was the guy who was going to come while he's still fighting three other guys. So Ema is a is a guy you don't want to mess around with. You can see it in his in his demeanor, right? He is very it's still. You know what I mean? And those are the guys who you know are can 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 get you if you're not uh, giving him the proper respect.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is something you see growing up playing basketball. That kind of talk. He didn't exactly call him a B. He's saying you're being like a B which is not as bad. I know it's semantics, but it's really not as bad. And obviously, Ime is not, he doesn't look at LeBron as maybe some of the fans look at him, right? He he looks at him a little bit different. Like he looks like he's, you know, they're on the same level and not obviously not as players, but he doesn't, he's not a fan of LeBron or anything like that. So I think Ime came into this game even before I saw this video that you made, right? I knew he came into the game, not really being fond of LeBron from what I saw there. It's like he had something pent up, he was holding something inside, and he wasn't the biggest fan of LeBron. And I think it came out there in that
0: situation. Yeah. And and by the way, oh we oh we lost Andrew for a second, oh, maybe he'll be back. Um okay. uh to get that camera back on. But uh, you know, it's hard to read May's lips, he doesn't move his lips too much, so that's not so easy. Um, and then it's um he talks quietly, like he got a check in the in the beginning in the first half. And I was staring at it. The only footage we could see of him, he didn't look like he was speaking at all. So I really can't figure out what that was about unless he was sort of murmuring really low under his breath near the, near the ref who heard it. Um, he didn't seem to mind when he got teed up. You know, mostly coaches get all upset when they get a tee and they're like, what are you doing? Whatever. So he didn't. He just took it all in stride. He takes everything in stride, right? Nothing seems to phase that guy. Um, and you're right. I think any advantage you have, they were down 14 at the time. So I suspect that, you know, if you're trying to get into LeBron's head and um, and, and get him off his game, you know, you could try that. Um, I don't know if that works as well. There are obviously players out there that do suffer when you get into their head. Um, I, do you think that LeBron is that kid? That guy? Sorry, that kid, that guy?
1: No, I think if it comes down to the end of the game and it's close, I don't think a coach talking to LeBron is going to phase him in the slightest. He had Eme guarding him full core pressure, as <laughs> we saw in your video, and that didn't phase him. I don't think you get to the level that LeBron gets to by being phased by trash talk. You know, right. um, yeah, that guy, you know, he's one of the – I don't want to get to this conversation. He's either the greatest or second greatest player yeah, of all time. Let's, 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 yeah, you know, that. I weird. had to
0: mute a bunch of conversations on Twitter off for this because uh, of that. So, um, but I also really appreciated LeBron's response. Uh, it was hard to hear all of it because you know someone got the the reverse shot where we could hear LeBron's actually talking, and um, I do appreciate that he went the, like the high road and was trying to like, scold him to say, you know what, that's not a, we don't use that word anymore. Like that's just not you know a place we want to use it, whatever. Which I thought was really nice. Um, and it, it did feel like perhaps Ime was in, like, what are you going to do about it kind of stuff, right, uh, which is another interesting thing, which, you know, I, I, again, the motivation's there. Um, he's a competitor. You know, NBA players don't lose their competitiveness once they're done playing, it, right. and especially when you're coaching, and you have a guy like Dylan Brooks who's already been trying to get underneath uh, LeBron's skin the whole time. I think LeBron is really maybe rejuvenated by it. He had a move on him in the first half and then gave him a look Uh, with a smile, right? It wasn't a glaring, angry, right? It was LeBron, like, just letting him know he's still LeBron. Uh, And that's fun. That's always fun to see when, you know, the the old dudes can still get in there and and show the youngins some things.
1: It feels like um, the Rockets and the Lakers have played 40 times this season already with all the LeBron, Dylan Brooks stuff. Now we have this stuff with Ime and LeBron. I also would say that why did the ref tech them? I think he brought more attention to the situation. I don't even know, like, do you think he would have even made a video from this if they were never teched? Like, it just would have been another, like, little bit of trash talking on the side.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, because he got ejected is what made it uh, newsworthy. And yeah. the referee obviously knew that he already had a technical file, well, merited or not. So that was that was part of it. Uh, listen, it, you know, it looked like LeBron said something pretty inflammatory, which is interesting because he had already told him not to use the B word. But then I don't know, man. There was some word that came out that looked like maybe it started with an F, and then the next word was a P. And uh, I, I again, we don't, we'll never know what he said. Well, but, um, that you know, the like T. He, he may brought the B word into it, so it's right. fair game after that, right? I guess so, but then but, you know LeBron was saying don't do that, and then then did then did his own version of something, and that by the way that's what caused it. You see the referee go, okay, this has got to we got to stop this. Um, well, in
1: fairness, LeBron says don't do that. Okay, we're getting there, so let's do it. You know what right, I mean? Fine, fine. Yeah. I guess
0: you know because the, the B word is worse than the B word, isn't it? I think either
1: could ring on a fight. The way right. I grew up playing basketball, like I think either of those things could. Bring upon a fight. I would say he said you're acting like a bee, which is not as bad as saying you're a a bee, even though okay. it's all semantics yeah, at the I end of the sort day.
0: Of, sort of. In the moment, it might be hard to parse that. But I hear you. I hear you. You yeah. know, and is never going to throw the first punch. I don't think he's ever going that guy. Right. He's not going to step up. You're going to he's going to take you out if you step up to him. Right. And he seems so calm and collected in that end.
1: I mean, that, I don't think it'll get. That's also another reason. Like Emei is obviously not scared, but I also think Emei knows that it's never going to get physical.
0: Right, right. So I mean, I would have liked to have. I didn't think I saw a uh, the the pool report. After the game from the ref, I would like to have heard a little bit more insight from him to figure out what was what what his uh, thought process. Maybe if it's come out, someone in the, in the comments let us know if it came out or anybody reported on that from the referee standpoint. A lot of times they'll interview them uh, afterwards. But uh, you know, listen, I'm, I'm going to look up the, the uh, schedule because I'm wondering do they have a fourth game again? They played three so far. It feels uh, like
1: thirty, Coach Nick. What's that? Everything. It feels like thirty games they've played already. It feels it's like every game. Feels like every Let's game
0: see. is Rockets Lakers with all the viral moments. Uh, they have another game on Monday January 29th uh, in LA. Ooh. Eme going Eme is going to suit up. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I mean, listen, you know, he wasn't he wasn't helpful that much back in the day. In he, he, his first year, he actually played a bunch, um, having been signed as a free agent and then, you know, went down from there. But, you know, he was OK. He was an OK player. You know, he wasn't yeah. a great athlete and he wasn't a great shooter.
1: But he seems to be a great coach the way he turned around the Celtics, the way he's turning around the Rockets. They're coming on with a really great start. So, you know, maybe his second chapter will be better than his first.
0: Uh, for sure. Listen, I, I think he's got, you know, the respect of uh, the people he coaches and despite what happened in, in Boston, I don't think that's diminished him at all. And, um, and yeah, he learned from the best. He learned from Pop. He learned from, you know, being in the Brad Stevens, uh, you know, uh, era, er, area. Um, so, yeah, so he's he's a very good coach. Uh, and I, w- I would probably want to, you know, play with him, play for him. Um, speaking of Pop, speaking
1: of Pop, I yeah. wanted to ask you this, Coach, because, you know, before the NBA season, I talked about how I think Pop – should take the press Maravich approach when it came to Chet in terms of just letting him flourish, letting him play, don't put him in too much of a role. And now we see, yeah, with Wemby. You said Chet. Oh my God, there you go, Chet. Yeah, Wemby, Wemby. Okay, they're both great. Wemby. So I think that this is the right approach, even though they're really bad right now, I think it maximizes their future with the Wemby experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it'd just be nice to have, uh, you know, not have Sohan play the point guard, as much as he's doing and get, you know, a regular point guard in there. They have um, Jones. Well, you do you? I mean? just, yeah. Well, do you think this helps him as like
1: a secondary playmaker in the future? Like, even if you don't want to play yeah. Jeremy at, and, at point right now, it doesn't matter if we win right now and we're developing his ball handling skill. Yeah, yeah. And his decision making.
0: Yeah. As long as they do, as long as they get some of those minutes in there, which they are. So, you know, that that, that is true. Although it's hard to picture like – it's funny. It's hard to picture Pop and the Spurs tanking, but we've they've done this in the past. They did it to get David Robinson. They've done it to get Tim Duncan. So it's not like they haven't done this before, anyway. They're smart about it. Uh, but as a result, like they're going to be bad, and it's hard to watch sometimes. And uh, you know that's too bad. And and they have to worry about the residual effects that can have on young players like Wemby. But if they if they can kind of activate it quicker. Um, you'll then, then you, you know, you you eliminate that risk. Like by next year, they're getting back into focusing on bringing in some veterans and making sure they're going to try and put a good cast around him. But uh, it's an interesting question because then it gets into the rookie of the year conversation, which I think Gilbert Arenas had a great point uh, on his show the other day when he was talking about the fact that the ages are so different between uh, Chet and Wemby that it isn't fair at all to um, to compare them. You know, when, uh, Chet is two years older.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. Let's say they were the same age. I think that Wemby obviously has the higher ceiling, but Chet is more of a winning player. He's more efficient and he's helping a playoff team win at this moment. So I
0: think Chet is the rookie of the year, but Wemby has the higher ceiling. We have another p- p- potential uh, spoiler of that plan though. We got we to talk about Haquez for a minute. That guy is a complete basketball player. I'll tell we, you we that. We talked about him last time. I
1: think we've talked about him in the past. I think he really doesn't have too many weaknesses. And a friend of mine is actually working on him with his shooting. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah, he's been on the show. He's been on the show before. And that hasn't been talked enough probably. But his
0: shooting has improved tremendously. You know, that's good to see because, I, I again, I talked about this before, but, um, you know, watching him being in L.A. at, uh, at UCLA, it was like I just didn't think he'd ever get a chance to play the way he played at UCLA in the NBA, which would then make him not very valuable at all. Almost in that same mode as um, uh, Timmy from Gonzaga, right? Like I kind of felt the same way there, but – This guy's got a whole other level of athletic ability we had not seen. And apparently a part of that was his ankles were injured for his senior year, I guess. And so he was really hobbled. Um, But like, I just never pictured an NBA team letting him post up the way he did and having, and didn't really stretch the floor in UCLA. So let's look at his numbers right now. He is shooting from three, um, yeah, 39% and taking three a game in 26 minutes. He's getting solid minutes. He's scoring 12 a game, grabbing boards uh, and and getting some assists. He's actually running the pick and roll a little bit. So all things we didn't see, which kind of, you know, makes me frustrated that at UCLA in the four years he was there, they didn't um, put him in, in more varied situations. It's almost like a crime. He should have been doing that and displaying that at, at, uh, in college. Shouts to Rob Fodor.
1: I mean, he's doing a great job working with him. I would say like at the college and even high school level, often they don't get the right information even if they're getting a lot of reps when it comes to their shooting if you're repping out the wrong way over and over again you're not going to have much improvement and i think even at the highest levels
0: of college they're just not getting the right information oh uh, i mean i'll tell you this i work with a uh, college player at the community college level over the weekend and it was just it's just really like soul killing i am asking them more and more about like what are you doing for training what are you doing for strength and conditioning what all this different stuff and like nothing And it's like, it wouldn't have been that hard, even if you had, let's say, even the strength and conditioning stuff, like before the season they were doing it, they were telling me, but then uh, in the season they don't really do much. And it's like, do you know how much muscle mass you can lose in the course of a season if you're not maintaining it by lifting? It's like it's insane that no one would do that. And even if it wasn't in like the coaches, they don't have a budget to have a trainer, whatever. Well, then, like, somehow get the coaches, get them organized around the players to meet up and go to the the uh, the, the weight room and work out. It, it's just beyond me that that doesn't happen. And I have a feeling it's, it's like that in other levels of college as well.
1: It's interesting because I always saw at the college level, the focus never really went away from the weight room. Maybe this is – a little bit further back in the timeline, maybe this is more like the early 2000s, but like players used to get really big and strong, but the skill development wasn't the thing that they were, you know, keeping up with during the course of the season. And you would see college players who were NBA prospects actually lose athleticism because they got too big and bulky and too stiff by the time they got to the NBA.
0: Yeah, it, all of that is, is just, again, I had people crying on my shoulders uh, playing Div- Division One programs and telling me the things they were doing that were just so archaic and ridiculous. And certainly, you know, interestingly enough, when I was a manager at Wisconsin, we would have, you know, you had, um, I want to say it's 18 hours, um, no, you had 20 hours a week uh, of practice time. So they had, for six days a week, they had three hours of practice, which is insane. Uh, and then they had uh, two one-hour sessions with a coach uh, for individual skill development. And it was great. I was, and I, I they'd have a manager that help, and we'd go through all the different, you know, skills they want to learn. And it was all good upper level, you know, and, and, and even forward thinking three stuff that they would do back then. And um, I'd ask other people uh, who were in other Division One programs if that they had structured it that way, and, and I don't think I've ever found anybody else that did it. The, it's the Patino way they would do it. And uh, it, so it's it really struck me, and I wonder if it's changed much now. Where, yeah, you wouldn't have at least two hours dedicated every week to just individual instruction with one coach and one player, or maybe two players and a manager, and you're going through, you know, your individual skills. Otherwise, what's the point of running offense if they can't make the shots, if they can't handle the ball, if they can't make the pass? Uh, it's really 25 years behind the times uh, in a lot of even Division One. So, um, yeah. A wise man once said, and that wise man was
1: named Combo that better players make better teams.
0: That's a very wise statement, Combo. I wanted to take a second to tell you about how fun it is to download Prize Picks and discover how much fun it is by making skill-based, real-money fantasy sports entries and best of all, you're only competing with yourself. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions including Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I love that you can choose two or more players from any sport, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. I went bold this weekend by picking Kirk Cousins to throw for more than 275 and a half yards, go Vikes, and Justin Fields less than 184 and a half yards, bear down. And will add a whole new level to my game watching experience as I hope some of these guys throw that ball down the field a lot. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CLNS. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And another wise statement would be that if you want to get your uh, answers, your questions answered, the best way to do that would be with a super chat over on YouTube. We will put your question on the screen. We'll give you lots of love. And with that, we have best friend of the breakdown, Martin Jose. What's up, Martin. Great to see What's you there. Always with us. To ask a great question. And his question is, and thank you. Thank you, Martin. Really. It's so generous. Uh, what are the chances the Grizzlies will make the play in the playoffs? Once jaw comes back, they are currently five and 14th, the 14th seed. All right, we got some math to go through, but what do you have? Zero. You're holding up a zero. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, no, nah, this is this is not savable. I don't think after 25 games because
0: not only the Grizzlies' issues, but the West is so deep. Right. Well, let's look at it this way, because if we want to do some math, I like math. I like to keep taking the emotion out of all of it. Right. The 10th place team right now that would be you're like you're like you're like Daryl Morey. I am. I am. Daryl and I go way back. Okay. Um, so the Houston Rockets right now are tenth, just above uh, the the Golden State Warriors. They're eight and nine, and that puts them in contention—not in the playoffs, but in contention, you know, to do the play-in to get in the playoffs, right? Which is, you know, what you'd want to do. So let's just call it five hundred, right? Let's just call it—they have to be five hundred. They win forty-two games to get there. Now the Grizzlies have five wins and they played nineteen games. So let's me get my calculator out here. If you take, if you make eighty-two minus nineteen, that is. 63 games left they need to win 42 total they've only won five so they need to win 37 of the of the 63 Am i is my math completely right they need to get the 37 out of 63 so that means they need to win uh 26 of those games so 26 divided by uh 63 no i'm not doing this right at all am i do i have to write this out Somebody help me. This is embarrassing. Uh, They could win 37 games. Anyway, the point being is they're winning 26% of their games right now. They'd have to win um, 60% something like that, right? Uh, It's hard to imagine they could do that even with Ja, right, for the course of that season, for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you have to integrate them back in.
0: Yeah, what was wrong with my math? So let's see. They have to win 37 out of the – how many games are left? Um, 19, 82 minus 19. Thirty-seven divided by sixty-three is oh, there it is, fifty-nine percent. They've fifty-nine percent, and that's a pretty good clip. Fifty-nine percent would put them on par on par with uh, you know being in the, the fourth or fifth place in the West. You know, I just don't see that, right? I don't think that's going to happen. So you know, it's unlikely. It's possible, but it's unlikely. Uh, ja is great, right? Yes. But, you know, Stephen Adams coming back, maybe I could say okay, if they can get. Those- I think
1: they're yeah. I think they're missing him a lot too.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, but he's not coming back, as far as I remember. I don't yeah. think. So uh, that, that those two things are really, really hurting them. And Brandon, Brandon, um, oh crap, what's his name? Brandon, the other big guy who they're missing from. Uh, from this is my brain. You know Gonzaga, Brandon, help me. Oh my goodness gracious sakes, alive! Uh, anyway, it's it's a uh, it's a good start to the show, Brandon. Come on, uh, Brandon Clark. Thank you. Oh, Brandon Clark. You yeah. know, also has it, been hurting them. So again, if they if they suddenly got fully loaded tomorrow, then I'd give them a a forty percent chance of being able to actually do it. But uh, I don't see it right now. Uh, thank you, thank you, Orlando. Thank you, Martin Jose, Brandon, and Bron. All the all the usual suspects are out there making me feel, reminding me how my brain doesn't work well. Uh, but anyway, uh, so there's so there it is. Uh, thank you, Martin, for that one. And Jim, Jim Learnt. It's a really good last name, Learnt. Uh, thank you so much for your super chat. Very, very generous. Really appreciate it. And he asks, what aspects of NBA coaching do you think you'd be passable at? Tactics, talent evaluation, player automation skill development, et cetera. Well, uh, it's an interesting question, Combo. Um, I, I guess it's maybe a, a pointed toward me as I'm sort of the coach and you're 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 more of the trainer guy. I, I think I, I could say, you want me to say
1: first, not to make this all about me, what I would be?
0: Yeah, don't make it about me.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, so for me, it would definitely be talent evaluation and skill development i mean skill development and player optimization i mean i think there's some overlap there yeah but uh yeah those those three for sure would be my
0: strength i'm really good at that too by the way i i, I have to my own horn i'm really good at like shooting um you know uh, what do you want? let me ask you this if you could work with an nba team would you rather work on tactics or more of the skill development side Oh, that's a great question, Jeez, Louise. I mean, I probably if I had to ha- if I had to choose, I'd say I'd do both. But um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe tactics, only because it'd be nicer to sort of be in the coaching sessions more than you know. Skill development guys, I think, tend to be a little bit on the periphery, a little bit. You know what I mean?
1: I feel like I think- for you, the online side of yourself is more tactics, and the offline side of yourself is more skill development. Even though tactics are there.
0: Right. Because remember, when I'm doing my skill development, I'm also integrating all of that, which is what not a lot of guys do into uh, how this all fits together in the yeah. offense. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, important. These are all pieces of the puzzle.
1: Yeah. I re- I love talent evaluation. I love breaking down draft prospects and talking about how they might develop into an NBA player and how good they could be. So all this is interesting stuff
0: yeah i mean here's the thing i think a lot of times head coaches sort of go away they're not connected at all to skill development like they, they must think that they're too, too too busy for it i do think that spolstra is involved with that and actually gets out there right and and helps them oh, yeah. times. uh i would probably be more like that and you know i think you know uh it, the funny thing is is I, I was a triangle offense coach you know and Tex Winter was a mentor of mine and uh and i got you know mm-hmm. i'm really good at being able to coach that and communication and motivation Uh, The funny thing was, is my teams, I always felt like when I was going to the films later, uh, you know, the the defense, I always kind of struck me as the one that is the side that they executed even better. Um, So I always wondered, is there something there where it's like, am I a defensive coach? And I didn't realize it. I don't know. Um, But that said, you know, I I just have, you know, the kind of experience I think that kind of covers both sides of those. So I would if I were a head coach, uh, then I would be. I'd be, I'd have my hands and and on managing a lot of that stuff to make sure that everything is is on par and on cutting edge and the right stuff and that fits with what we're doing. My defense was not passable. Your your individual skill, your individual playing defense was not. You were not a defender. Yeah, not really. Well, were you that guy that could knock the ball away from behind really well? Uh,
1: you know, I don't like those guys, man, because those guys get beat and then it's annoying when they try and do that. And then you know, they sometimes like just hit your whole arm and they're not even playing good defense and they think they're playing good defense, but they're not.
0: I, I think it's a talent, though. In fact, the defense that I invented, you're going to need to have it. So the okay. funny thing is you talk about uh, when you play a zone, sometimes it's because you want to hide a bad defensive player, like maybe you, combo. Okay. Well, maybe that, uh, maybe your defense would be great for me. Well, that's what I'm saying. So here's what we were discovering was you put him at the one, at the top of the key, you know, behind the ball, like, the right when the start. Like, if he's going to get beat anyway, just let him get beat on the top and have the, everybody in position to help. But I'm like, what if that guy – ends up being so awesome at back tapping and was never permitted to do it and was never, you know, never had to try to do it because he he was like, you know, you get benched if you ever try to do it. And all of a sudden he becomes a really great defender for you because he's so good at knocking the ball away from behind. Cause there's always those guys, you know, that guy who's, he's not any good, doesn't have long arms. is not quick. But can always knock the ball when you get by him, you know, on the dribble. And if you didn't you know, switch hands fast enough or whatever. So um, you know, what if it was that guy? And what if you were that guy? And suddenly we could figure out how to make you a really valuable oh, defensive. I could be that guy with the long wingspan. So even better. There you go. You have a long wingspan? Yeah, like six eight, six nine. Is that right? Like I was with you. I didn't I guess we didn't measure. And you're what, like six three? Yeah, that's why I was Oh,
1: good in-game dunker. Not because my bounce was the craziest, but I had really long arms with nice bounce.
0: Why aren't you talk? Why aren't you taller? Wait, I'm how tall? Are you? I'm six five. All right, but if your wingspan six eight, then you think you'd be six eight. Well, I know people like. Were you smoking in sixth grade? Is that what? you Hell doing? no, I never smoked. But so, yeah, <laughs> no. But what I'm saying, that's an advantage.
1: Like they look for players with with plus wingspans, like for their yeah. I'm weight. saying,
0: I know, I know. Yeah, but sometimes yeah. you think, well, if you got if it's three or four inches longer than now, your height, then then something's weird going on in there. Something something make you not as tall as you should have been. I don't know. Oh no, I'm way taller than I should have been. If you look at my family, ah, okay, well that's interesting. All right, great. Yeah, did, you yeah. just, did you sleep a lot when you were younger? Is that what it was? I don't know. I just had a crazy growth spurt at like 17, 18. I would say though, I would say most. NBA players have a
1: plus wingspan about two or three inches, right? Like you kind of get penalized in the draft process if you have
0: a negative wingspan or your wingspan is the same as your height. Uh, That's true. And there's a reason for that, right? I mean, you can recover, especially defensively, uh, better if you have a longer arm wingspan to then, you know, if you got beat and you're running to get back, you can now affect uh, the the offensive player a little bit better with that wingspan. Uh, Right. I mean, it's funny. It's mostly a defense, I imagine, because, a lot of times we, we we get concerned with the wing, the really long wingspan guys shooting wise. It gets a little bit harder, mm. you know. It's a little bit funkier. Uh, Mikhail Bridges comes to mind, but he's actually been able to solve a lot of that, and that's been a really pleasure to see. Um, and he had a really terrible hitch that he's kind of fixed a little bit, but he's figured it out, so that's all good. Um, let's. I told
1: not you, I told you a guy played with college with uh, James Smith. He played in the G League for a bit. Good player, uh, did well at Maris. He had he was a seven footer that. Really shot a lot of threes, but he had small arms, like short arms. I felt like he had a negative wingspan, even though I'd never measured it. But he I felt like he was a good shooter because he was a big with small arms.
0: So maybe there's something. Right. There. That, yeah, that's It's all all that it comes into play for sure. Yeah. Um, so we got about what, like about 10 minutes left. Cause I know you have a heart out. Um, so in case you want to get your questions up there, let us know that you got about 10 minutes left. Um and uh, yeah, the, the, the wingspan thing is interesting. I mean, I think I'm like that guy who thinks you can teach anybody anything. You know, they they can we can help them get better than what they are, whatever skill. In fact, it was weird because I tweeted out uh, the other day. They uh, we shared a Barry Sanders clip, and what I took from Barry Sanders uh, on the basketball side is that what he knew the secret to basketball, which was lifting both feet in the air at the same time. So all of his moves are predicated on ground reaction forces, which are the when you lift your feet off and then they. Bounce back on the ground. You can explode much better than you would if you're just running and plodding with your feet on the ground the whole time. So um, it was great to see that as an example, and you can use other sports as well to influence how you want to play. And that's how I build out my all of my skill development for whatever level. You know what's funny is I end up I I, I teach players who are nine years old the same things I teach uh, the twenty one year olds. Hmm. I don't I know if you can. do that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. I was showing – I was doing uh, skip crosses with nine, uh, 10-year-olds uh, on Saturday. It was really well, fun. I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, if you could dribble a basketball, you should be starting to learn that pretty soon after, right?
0: Yeah, and by the yeah. way, if you couldn't get it that day, well, maybe they will get it in a few weeks. You know, so what? But at least now you're getting it, you're going to be ahead of the game, whereas some guy would be like, no, we can't do multi-combo dribbles with 9-year-olds in it. You know, In fact, the 9-year-old in that group, it was 10-11s, uh, So I had a 1-9, he was actually the best at it. So uh, it was really fun. You mentioned uh, the word
1: "skip," and I think it's important to focus on feet just as much as hands when you're talking about handle, because that's what makes the best ball handlers in the world truly elite. It's not only what they do with their hands; is what they do with their feet.
0: Oh, I know, and even in fact, the college player I was working with, I was telling them, uh, you know, you can do so much work without a ball to and that will improve you as a player. Um, oh my god, that it's not even funny. We're talking about core. You're talking about uh, you know leg strength. You're talking jump, about- jump,
1: jump rope, and sprint hills
0: there you go yeah. yeah all of that all that stuff really all of a sudden your, your movement patterns better than your game is better so 100 really um i'd almost say even like the stability to uh the the, the, the rotational uh, flexibility you have in your, in your in your torso compared to your lower legs is really important which is what i need to do that's that's the one big one i do is i used to do it where i'd be against my bed and i would you know twist my upper body and then separate it from my lower body and then twist back Uh, I, I bet you that, that one exercise is what kept my back in shape and not hurting me a lot. And it's just hurting me no matter what I do now. So I, maybe I'll do that when we're done. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that some older players lose, right? That rotational flexibility and strength.
0: Yeah. And then some, some players just never even get like the mobility in their ankles, you know, ankle mobility is huge and no one ever, you know, they ignore that. And that really helps for that leads
1: to knee issues.
0: Oh Oh, yeah. 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 Um, all right, what else can we talk about? Well, I did watch. Did you happen to check the uh, the end of the uh, Clippers Warriors game? The Warriors had a 22 point lead at some point in that game and then lost it at the very end.
1: Yeah, I mean, my guy Pierre, um, through the wire shouts to Pierre. He tweeted that PG 13 is the Clippers' best player, and I have to totally agree with P
0: on that one, like he's yeah, the guy right, well, now. he is for sure. And man, is it nice to then have Kawhi Leonard as your second best player? <laughs> I mean, like, wow um you know it's not fair because then you got james harden and they ran at him toward the end because james harden was controlling too much of the game but you run at james harden on top and now he's either passing to paul george or kawhi leonard it's like what are you supposed to do and every team in the west better be really concerned about that um i'm just looking at the box score here now there's a couple of glaring things that were screaming at you if you watch the game and realize what was going on which was um First of all, Curry, uh, you know, the Warriors need to find someone else that can help them create advantages in their offense besides Curry. It's it's kind of like – it's just brutal to watch him trying to do it when the whole defense loads up. And when you have a team like uh, the Clippers that have George and Leonard uh, and then man, you know what I mean? Like they can throw some defenders out there, uh, and it just makes it really hard on him to, to, to help create anything. Uh, and also they were going back to getting it out of his hands uh, on purpose, the Warriors, to run him off screens. And that's where he gets beat up. You know, that's where he's getting held. hell. That's where he's getting again people in his way. That's a little bit harder. And so the Warriors might need to remember that they go back to him on the ball a little bit more to protect him from that stuff. Um, the last elephant in the room would be that Westbrook played less than 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. I mean, we all knew this was probably going to happen once James Harden became a member of the LA Clippers because Westbrook is more of a fit off the bench than James Harden. And James Harden is a better point guard than Russell Westbrook. So it was it was inevitable that James would have those starting minutes, play more minutes, and Russell would be the guy who would come off the bench. And it wouldn't be a great fit with the other three at the end of the day unless he provided some kind of energy off the ball
0: for right. those three players who need the basketball. And just on an X's and O's standpoint, just so we're, we're specific about it, uh, you know, they want they like to do a lot of isos for Paul George, for, for James Harden and for Kawhi Leonard. And when you have Russ out there, his man, it, it will ignore Russ. And you know, again, if you don't want to have any other kind of offense and they don't seem to be that interested in doing much besides a lot of those isos, then you, you really it's, it's a struggle to have Russ out there with them because it makes it so much harder on the other guys. And then, by the way, Russ went two for four from three. And so whatever it takes to get him to be, and by the way, he'll be wide open on all those shots. They're not going to guard him, even if he, if he continues to go 500 from the line, from the three point line. Uh, but they, but at least he's going to make him pay in that, in the box score. So if that, if it takes him coming off the bench to find him shooting better from three than starting, then great. And that's, that's the solution for them.
1: I mean, ISO basketball at this point, unless it's late game situation and the shot clock situation is an archaic way to play basketball because of the team that they were playing against influence on the game of basketball, it's going to be very difficult to beat a team like the Kings and even more so the nuggets. If you're playing ISO basketball against read and react type offense that the warriors have influenced the NBA to play at this point.
0: Right. And you know, I I want to check the percentage of time ISOs for the Clippers. They they lead the league. Uh, The Mavericks are right behind them though. So the Clippers, 10.5% 10.5% of their possessions in the half court are um, are used as ISOs. The next uh, is the Mavericks are next at 10.1%. Then it drops down to the Brooklyn Nets at 9.3, Celtics at 8.6. It gets pretty. It drops pretty dramatically after that. So, um, yeah, that is that is the issue there where um, they, they, they're going to run them. They're going to run them. And you know what? They're damn good at them. Uh, let's actually look at what they, they rank in the points per possession here. Uh, the Clippers um, are seventh in terms of points per possession, just under 1.0. Um, you know, I would probably like to see a little bit higher, but at the very least, you know, that's still pretty good. That's pretty elite. And so, um, as a result, you know, you have those players. They're going to let them let them do what they want to do. If I were Ty Lue, I'd probably want to get a little bit more control over that and 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 cut down a little bit of those. You know, because they're so good. Because Paul George is good at coming off screens. Because you know, Kawhi can move off the ball. I mean, they had a beautiful down the stretch horn set where they back screen Kawhi, Kawhi Harden hard hits him uh, on a beautiful pass on a lot on a lob. Uh, for a pseudo lob dunk that was instrumental. And it's like, that's the beauty of the game they could have if they would do that more. Yeah, you just got a thumbs down. You know, I think it's... So someone... someone, we We didn't figure this out, right? I think it's my browser... Right. I was thinking somebody has something in my browser that I, I, but I don't have an extension. And when I do this, it will do it, but it doesn't do it. Right. It's not doing it when I make the thumbs up. So who's giving me a thumbs down? Who's giving me a thumbs up? Where is that from? Is anybody in the comments watching this live on video? It keeps happening no matter what I do. By the way, it happened not only in StreamYard, it happened in uh, YouTube. It was another platform that I was using in my browser to be on someone else's show. So that's why I'm thinking it's my browser. But, like, what is it and why? And someone needs to tell me because I can't take it anymore. Someone's yeah. out there giving me. And I, usually it's thumbs up. i never seen a thumbs down before. So, oh, well. Oh, well.
1: Well, t- uh, just staying on the Clippers real quick, for them to win a championship, at the end of the day, they need to learn how to play together, learn each other. But even on top of that, they need Kawhi Leonard to be Tor- Toronto Raptors Kawhi Leonard. And does he have that kind of gas left in the tank? yeah i'm not sure about that but that's absolutely what they need if they're going to win a championship it's not there's no really like crazy in-depth analysis like Kawhi has to be that level of Kawhi for them to win
0: i think you get one game each series uh that's like that from him okay i think is that that enough in the west i don't know yeah no i I think you're good i think you're gonna see one game each series which might be enough for them because they have they have the other guys so they're legit you think they're legit I think that they're legit. I think they will be legit by the time they figure this all out by the end of the year, for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. They, you know, uh, they, and they might make a move, whatever, maybe shore up a, a big, another big man or something like that, just to, to have. Uh, but yeah, I think that they're, they're, they're legit. But then again, get in line, man. There's a whole lot of teams, and you know what, Jokic is doing right now. Might have to do a video on that. If anyone's going to watch it, I don't know. But uh, Jokic is doing stuff right now—triple doubles that are out of, you know, no turnovers. It's insane.
1: So total points. He's leading the league. Sorry, in total points, total assists, and total rebounds, he's leading the league, and I don't think at this point of the season nobody's ever done that before.
0: Right now, total is not the right way to do it, though. Unfortunately, because well, it, show, played,
1: it shows right. it shows you that he's an iron man and he's available.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I think what it shows you is that that he is the complete package, right? No one's ever rebounded and then assisted like this, right? For the most part, I mean, Wilt actually let, did a triple double one year, so he must be he must be somewhere near there. Um,
1: uh, I'm convinced, Coach Dick, that Luka and Jokic are the two best players in the NBA.
0: Okay. I, I, I got i got to tell you, you got to put Halliburton somewhere up there at some point. I'm telling he might be the best. He might be playing. I mean, except for Jokic, he might be playing as well as anybody else in the league right now.
1: I love Halliburton's game. I don't know if I would go that
0: far as of yet. I think as of right now, SGA is probably better than Halliburton. Ooh, maybe that's the video. I don't know, man. I don't know if you could say that. Should we do it really quick? I know you got two minutes left. Should I go over on uh, StatHead and and do the head-to-head? I love Halliburton, man. I've been high on Halliburton since
1: Iowa State. Like, I thought way too many teams passed on him. I think he's better than Fox. Like, Kings fans were going at me because I said he was better than Fox. Um, I love his game, but I don't know if he's
0: the third best player in the NBA. All right. where Oh, where is Shea? Let's do. Let's just put them up together. Uh, So there's Shea, gorgeous, and then there's um, Shea, gorgeous. Yeah. Why don't they letting me choose the season? Oh, there we go. Um, Oh, that's interesting. I I guess I have to choose. That's good. And let's do. uh, Who was that with Halliburton? Tyrese Halliburton in in the same year. Let's say this is slow. Okay, here we go.
1: This conversation does prove our point that offense just means more than defense because these three players we're talking about aren't the greatest defensively.
0: I gotta do a deep dive on Halliburton's defense. I want to see because I, I don't know necessarily if uh, if if if, if, if uh, Tyrese Halliburton is that bad. at defense. No,
1: no, I didn't say they're that bad. First of all, Jokic has been above average. And he's not he's not elite, but he's been above average at times, especially during their finals run. I don't think
0: Halliburton is horrible, but none of those guys are elite. Okay, well, let's do this by uh, per 36, so we normalize uh, for pace. Okay? We need some nuance here, Coach Nick. Just because you're not elite doesn't mean you're terrible, right? All right, it's true. So, so here's the, the points per 36. You got Shea is 31.1, and Tyrese is 28.6. So Shea's got him there by a little a few points. Uh, assists, you have Tyrese at 12.5, and you have Shea at 6.5. Uh, Tyrese is the best. Yeah, he, he's- Rebounds, uh, Shea's at 6, and uh, Tyrese is at 3.8. Okay, so it's a back and forth battle. Uh, free throw percentage are both elite. Uh, Shea's at 94%, though. That might be leading the league. And then 88% for Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, three-point shooting. Halliburton is flame throwing at yeah, 40, yeah, yeah. Uh, almost 45%, and he's taking more than nine a game. Um, and meanwhile, Shea is at 36.5%, 37%, and he only takes less than four. So uh, overall, uh, the field goal percentage, uh, actually, it's interesting. The, well, let's look at the effective field goal percentage because that's gonna have to be uh, the biggest point. Uh, let's see here, EFG is. Also, I would have to say that OKC has the better basketball team as of right now. Okay? Yeah, yes, that's true. Well, that, that is very true. Yeah. Um, the, I, let's see I, I'm looking at I see true shooting, that's good enough, I guess. Uh, the true shooting is Tyrese Halliburton sixty seven point two and Shea is sixty three point eight. So it, it, you go back and forth, and there's 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 a good arguments for both. But man, um, that's interesting. All right, you have one minute for uh, one more super chat. Yeah, let's finish thank here. You, thank you, Jim. Another super chat. Thank you so much for all you guys uh, for Jim and for uh, Martin uh, for the super chats today. Uh, why does Detroit never get better? It's a wow. Um well there, you know there's a thing about management, right? There is a thing about management who they are, who they're uh hiring, who they're putting in place, the like culture, all that's part of it. Um Monty Williams, good coach. Is he a good
1: coach? It doesn't look good right now. He had a great run with the Suns, but it doesn't look good right now. Maybe what would know. you do what would you do differently is the question.
0: Right. I mean that's- more more J more Jaden Ivy minutes. I mean, yeah, that's a very strange thing, right? He went from starting and playing to, like, basically losing them all. And it's not really clear why. I, I actually started to look a little bit into this and, like, why and who took his minutes. And I was looking at it. Killian um, Hayes. Well, no, but Killian Hayes was playing alongside him a lot last year. Well, that's not a great duo, I think. Okay. So so they went with one or the other. So, okay, yeah. you know. But there's uh, they, they're letting the um, – Amen. Amen? No. The brother? who Who oh. is – Asar Asar is great, by the way. Asar is, Asar, Asar
1: is a winning basketball player right now. Fair I mean, enough. I think he's so gonna get better.
0: minutes at that sort of at that same position. Uh
1: you could play, you could play Asar, Cade, and Jaden together.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. And Cade is like getting some uh, some 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 shade as well out of all this, too. There's
1: not enough, there's not enough, first of all, there's not enough shooting
0: right around Cade. Right. So I, I don't know if it matters what Monty's gonna do because they don't have enough spacing and no one's gonna everyone's loading up on everybody in the lane. Um, and that's not really his fault. That's going to be a GM thing, you know. I mean, they they had a, a stretch where they had um, you know a coach who I didn't think was great in um, uh, before this with um, Casey. So uh, you know, Casey seemed like a bit of a dinosaur and uh, and, and just didn't know how to be more modern. Uh, and that 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 goes a long way to giving you four years of not winning. But it's it goes back farther than that, right? I mean, when's the last time they had a really good season? Um, gosh, I can't remember. Can you off the top of your head? When. They won the championship with Chauncey Billups. I mean, that's not, that's 2004, right? But they had, they were better before that. Here, they won the finals, 03 04. Then they had a nice run. They, they lost the finals the next year. They went to the, com, for, the conference final for three years in a row. But then since then, they, they, you know, barely made They only made the playoffs twice since, uh, since 08 09. Uh, so it's been really, really brutal. And, you know, my guy, Sam Van Gundy, had him and was very mediocre. Um, you know, you got to get a lot of things in line and that's, you know, modern co- coaching techniques, unlock some stuff that might get it. They probably weren't incentivized for a couple of those years to they get a better draft pick. But, um, I don't know. Meanwhile, my guy, James Wiseman, barely can get off the bench there. I don't know what's going on.
1: The Carlos Arroyo, Stan Van Gundy. This is a great way to finish. Uh, that was pretty funny, right? So what happened? So Carlos Arroyo told him to enjoy the show and then
0: Stan bedship, And he said, no, you enjoy the show. Is that oh, I have no memory of that, but okay. Jeez. Um, anyhow, well I, I hope everyone else enjoyed the show while we get wrap up here because we gotta get out of here. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for being part of the show. It was a great, great crowd today. Uh good discussion. We'll be back again next Monday, right? Yes. All right. So uh there we go. Uh, thank you guys there. Thank you, combo. And uh, don't forget, sports fans at B Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in?